Welcome to Meanwhile. I'm Michael Melcher. I'm an executive coach living in New York City and sometimes other places. Coaching is a method to help people think more broadly and deeply and therefore do more of what they want in life. Coaching overlaps with ideas in leadership, career development, self-help, personality type, and spirituality. This is a podcast about ways to improve your life and work, partly but not exclusively drawn from my coaching work. It's called Meanwhile because it's about how to make changes while you're doing everything else. And since my first and forever client is myself, I also share a lot about how I experience things. This week, we will talk about dealing with feedback. So let's get started. Today on Meanwhile, I have a special guest. My former law buddy and fellow coach, Hannah Hart, uh, who lives in San Francisco. Hannah, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Michael. Thanks. I'm glad to be here with you. I'm glad for you, and I'm glad for all the millions of listeners who will get to hear your sage wisdom. We are going to talk about feedback, not giving feedback, but actually receiving it and how to deal with it. This is a topic that both Hannah and I deal with a lot, um, both with clients and with our own lives. So a few years ago, I hired a personal trainer named John Shams, one of many, uh, at a gym in New York. He was this very burly, muscly person uh, with a very strict program, and one of my clients had recommended it. And since I like strict programs and do what people tell me, I thought this would be great. So we worked out for a while, a year or two. You know, being the person that I am, I travel a lot, so the scheduling was sometimes complicated. And at one point, John Sham said to me, you know, when I first met you, I was really impressed with your education and business background. And I thought this guy is going to make amazing progress in his fitness. But I got to tell you, if I were to meet you now and just assess you based on your progress, I would have thought you went to junior college or something. Ouch. <laughs> Yes, I thought simultaneously, whoa, and also, I must work harder. It was exactly the kind of feedback message that played well with me. You know, it's an example of sometimes the right message may not be the nicest thing in the world, but connects with you uh, in a way that can push you forward. I was going to ask you, Michael, what about that feedback was motivating for you rather than crushing your spirit? I believe it's because, in fact, my you know educational and professional background are very important to me. They're a big piece of my identity, but I'm not really in doubt about them. So it didn't really crush me. I just thought, all right, I got some uh, branding branding work to do here. But there could be other situations where it might be crushing. So I think this one just kind of lucked out. But what you allude to is that feedback can sometimes be hard to take. So we're going to start with a little example drawn from real life. And I'm going to ask Hannah of a time when when you received feedback that was really challenging for you to take on. Well, I, I have to say there are a lot of times that have been challenging, but there's one that comes to mind immediately because it still pains me a bit. <laughs> um, as you know, Michael, I, I spend time in New York pretty regularly. I used to live in New York and I have a very dear friend with whom I stay. And she's so close. She's somebody I really think of as family. So I had been staying in her house with her family 
couple or three times a year for maybe five or six days for several years when her husband sat me down and said, listen, uh, I don't know what's going on, but you're not helping out enough when you stay here. <laughs> and I, I was crushed. I, I felt just terrible. Not just that I had been a bad guest, but that this had been going on for years. And, uh, and he told me the story of a time when I had come with my, with my whole family, my husband and my kids and I. And at the time, my son was very young and was snoring a lot at night. And all five of us were sleeping in one room. So we were super sleep deprived. And I had three children. And apparently, my friend, um, Jill, had really been, it had been a bad time for her. And we were a huge imposition and I didn't realize it. You know, I was in the fog of like having a two-year-old, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And I was totally unaware that I had stepped on their toes and that we had been imposing. And that had sort of laid the foundation for every time I visited when I thought I was being a great guest. I, I really wasn't. I, I wasn't doing enough to help out in their view. In any case, I was very disappointed in myself, and I was hurt that I hadn't heard this. And it made me think, not only am I a bad guest, I'm also a bad friend. It made me call the whole fr friendship into question. It was pretty devastating. Was there part of it where you kind of wanted to say, well, you should have told me this a year ago. Why are you waiting till now? I could have fixed it back then. Absolutely. I wanted to point the finger like... <laughs> If you'd been so upset, why didn't you tell me? I totally would have fixed this. Why were you cataloging grievances to be right, brought out? Right, right. I didn't know we were keeping score. What does this mean for our friendship? What does this mean for me? I went and then talked to my friend, and she was actually upset that her husband had called this out. I cried. She cried, and we all sort of reconciled in the end um what what i what i think was at the root of it was that i had this interpretation that we were family and that meant family didn't have to bring hostess gifts oh, uh, i just thought if yeah. i if i had a small footprint if i washed my own dishes and if i you know was quiet and kept my room clean and brought my sheets down to the laundry when i left that was that was being a good guest and that that wasn't their measure of being a good guest. Their measure of being a good guest was, you know, all kinds of stuff that now I'm embarrassed I had to be told. Like, show up with a bottle of wine when you're on your way home. Ask if there's anything you can bring for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're a human being who received this feedback and had reactions. And you're also a professional in the coaching industry. How would you describe what was going on with you uh, when you got that feedback? I think there were two things that were happening, Michael. One was that the feedback I received didn't match my idea of my own identity, of who I was. I think of myself as a good friend. I also think of myself as a sensitive person who would pick up on underlying vibes. You know, if somebody was upset at me, I feel like I should know that. So when I realized that I hadn't been a good guest and that I hadn't realized it, it hit me at two levels of my own identity. And that was very upsetting. Right. And so there is one um, school of thought that calls that an identity quake. Yes, right? I definitely had an identity quake. The, the, my foundation was very shaky. And when we have identity quakes, we kind of go zero to 60 in a second. And it could be yes. we act out or it could be we just get really, really upset about it. 
Yeah, for me, it was tears and kind of shutting down. Okay, what was the second thing? The other thing that was happening was that I kind of disagreed with it. You know, I had a different point of view. We had different sets of expectations. So while part of me felt that it was true and ups, you know, upset my sense of my identity, there was also a part of me that said, wait a second, uh, I, I think I was a good guest. You know, our relationship is such that we're sisters. We're not, we're not the kind of people who should have to bring gifts. So there was a part of me that also just disagreed with the premise. And there's also a third point, which is that there was something for me about the relationship of, that I had expected that my friend would not let something fester for that long. And so I was disappointed in the relationship and in my friend for not letting me know sooner. So it's almost like you wanted to give her feedback, which could be a legitimate thing. But we also know that if someone is trying to express something to you and then it turns into, well, let me tell you what you're doing, it, it's not so effective all the time. Right. It, it reads as defensiveness, of, if nothing else. Right. And it wasn't that I was saying there wasn't anything valuable there. So anyway, I didn't want to turn it into a big fight. Right. So feedback is super complicated. And our point of view, I don't think there'll be any surprise, is that feedback is good. We should seek it out. The world is full of good feedback um, treasures <laughs> waiting to be discovered if we're willing to go look for them. What we would say technically is that feedback shows us our blind spot. So we're doing something. Other people can see it. We can't necessarily see it ourselves. And when they can engage with us and share this with us, we can get better. I can get better at my workouts. Uh, you can have a better relationship when you travel at every level of professional and personal development. Feedback is hard and people have reasonable reasons for not seeking it. But if we don't seek out feedback, we're, we're not going to grow as much as we could. So it's hard, but but how do we actually go across all these landmines to a position where we are getting the best possible information from other people that will help us be better and do better? Yeah. And I would say, Michael, a lot of the focus on feedback um, in the workplace is sort of how to give good feedback. We spend a lot of time talking about what it takes to lay the foundation for feedback and how to make it actionable. But we spend less time on what is really half of the equation, which is how to receive it with curiosity and get the best out of it, even when it's not expertly delivered, right. because the majority of feedback is not particularly well delivered. Okay. So with that said, let's look at some of the different ways we can categorize feedback and kind of how we deal with it. Great. Um, I, I like to think of feedback as coming in sort of three categories and, and we do, we want all of them. We, we seek them all out. One is my favorite, which is appreciation. And that is that recognition. Um, and it, it serves our need to be seen, recognized, appreciated. The second category is guidance and guidance is what helps us get better. It's what should we do more of or less of? How can we do something better? It may come in the form of advice or instruction, but it's that piece that helps us improve. And then the third category is evaluation. And evaluation says, how am I doing? It helps me understand where I stand. Um, if there is an expectation, where am I falling short or where am I meeting that expectation? Kind of, am I on track? Right. Right. 
And I would say that all of these, when done well, are ways to help people learn. None of them is really, I'm going to let you have it, which is sometimes how people will use the word feedback. Like, you're not listening to my feedback, or I'm going to give you some feedback. Like, when we're working with people, we'll say, if, if you've got to kind of question your motivation for why you're doing this, um, and it really needs to be from some point of view of trying to help the other person learn. I, I'm curious, of those three types, is there one or two that we tend to do more to the exclusion of others? Most people have kind of a favorite category of feedback. When I'm working with my clients, I often find they'll say, oh, I'm great at giving appreciation and kudos, but I really have a hard time with giving constructive feedback. Or we'll get uh, the category of person who's super good at spotting things to criticize and improve, but forgets to say thank you, or I see how hard you're working, or you really knocked it out of the park on that, keep doing this or that. Most people don't default to evaluation, but sometimes what happens is they don't give anything else and then the only thing you get is your annual performance review, you know, meets expectations or falls short of expectations. And so that evaluation piece in the absence of the others is really um, pretty useless. So knowing these three categories can probably help us uh, deal with feedback when we actually get it. Yeah, and I think it it's important to remember that sometimes we take one as the other. So for example, if you are thanking me a lot and recognizing my hard work, I may take that as a sign. I may take it as evaluation. I may take it as like, I'm doing great. Um, when in fact, you may be thinking I'm underperforming and you're really trying to uh, to reinforce the good behaviors and you're just having a hard time talking to me about things I'm not doing well. Conversely, if you give me some guidance about something that I could be doing better, and I see that as evaluation, I may think, oh my gosh, I'm totally screwing up. I'm getting a C. And in fact, you may be saying, hey, you're getting an A and this is how to get an A+. So we really have to be careful when we read one kind of feedback as evaluation. It, it comes down to what we're inferring about what the other person's intention is, right? And we will sort of assume um, intentions and just either asking that question or even asking them, you know, what's the purpose behind your feedback today or what do you want me to get out of this um, could be probably really helpful. Yeah, it comes back to asking questions and seeking out information, being curious about what the other person is saying rather than interpreting because we interpret like crazy and we're just not very good at it. Right. And asking questions, I would say, is going to work best when you are really trying to understand the person as opposed to pushing them to justify what they're saying. So, you know, help me understand what you're saying here, or it'd be helpful if, if you give me an example um, tell me more what you're thinking about X, Y, Z, as opposed to, I still haven't heard one single real example of what you're talking about. You know, that's probably not so helpful. Right. You know, another useful question to ask yourself when you get feedback is, what's true about this feedback, right? So we know that that feedback is is hard to receive. It's also hard to give. Um, we often with our clients, we'll do what's called a 360 assessment where we'll interview, you know, anywhere from six to even 15 people about somebody's strengths and weaker areas and kind of write up a report where we give the themes and the quotes. People 
can find these hard to deal with. First, because most people don't get that much feedback in the course of their lives. And so when you get it, it can be a little bit like a two by four to the side of the head. But often, as you gave in your example, the feedback may not match our understanding of what happened. And it's very tempting to start arguing the particulars of what somebody said, or, you know, that happened four years ago, or you know, she's not being honest about what else was there, or, you know, I'm being blamed for something that wasn't my fault. And just ask what's true about the feedback. Because often there's a kind of nugget there that is true. Um, there's something underneath it. Maybe they're not expressing it in the best way. Maybe they're not even using the right example. But usually there's something that is true that we can work with. So the short answer is what's true about the feedback. So in asking that question, what's true about the feedback, uh, we're really asking to take on the other person's perspective for a moment. Um, what often happens when I'm doing the 360 feedback, someone may disagree, but they'll say, you know, gee, perception, the other person's perception matters even if I think they're wrong. Part of your job when you're receiving feedback is to recognize that the other person is speaking something that's true for them. And if nothing else, it tells you something about them. I would say feedback says almost as much about the giver as it does about the receiver, because it tells you something about what's important to them or what interpretations they're making. I would add that it is also usually quite difficult for somebody to give feedback. So even if feedback to you sounds kind of mean, badly intended, not thought out, it still may require quite some effort for the other person to give it to you. So what does that say about our response? Well, in some way, I think when somebody is giving feedback, they're they're looking at how we're receiving it. Are we receiving it with a spirit of listening and curiosity and kind of putting some value on it? Or are we pushing back as hard as we can, um, getting really upset, shutting down? Because that will then determine how the subsequent conversation goes and probably whether you get additional feedback from that person. So the ability to have some equanimity and just receive the feedback and listen to it is really powerful. And I think there are a couple of devices we can use along those lines. The first is to have what we call a growth mindset uh, rather than a fixed mindset. So this is something we've referred to before in this podcast uh, based on the work of Carol Dweck. And essentially a growth mindset is where we think of what we do as a reflection of how hard we work and what we learn from experience, both from success and failure. So if I screw up here, okay, let me learn from that and next time I'll do better. Okay, if this um, sojourn at my friend's house apparently didn't work out so well, let me figure this out and then the next time we'll be a better guest. Whereas a fixed mindset is that we view what's happening as a reflection of our core essence. So if I did great, it's because I'm a genius. Um, if I was criticized for being a bad house guest, it's because I suck as a person or lack emotional intelligence. And that latter mindset, the fixed mindset, it's very hard to receive feedback in that spirit. So I think the first thing is just to have a growth mindset. And the second is to use active listening. So active listening is where you are not just taking it in, but you're repeating back what the person says. When you use active listening, it accomplishes a few things. First, you are more likely to hear what the person's saying. Second, if you repeat it back, they are going to feel that you listened to them and heard them 
But the third crucial thing is that active listening buys you time. It gives you a chance to calm down, to think about something useful to say. So for example, uh, let's say you work really hard on something, you give it to your team members or boss, and they say, this is awful. This is not what I wanted. Uh, I can't believe this work product. Have to do it again. Well, it's very upsetting. But if you say, okay, I'm hearing that you think this is awful. Um, This is not what you wanted. You're saying we have to do this again. Tell me more. It has this weird calming effect, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean you agree with everything they say, but you're acknowledging that to them it appears real, and you're able to stay in the conversation. So what you said, Michael, um, talking about the, the fact that it's a conversation, I think is really important. Sometimes we think of feedback as if it's a, a one-way delivery, like you pull up your dump truck and you unload on the other person and it's their job just to accept it. But really the richness of feedback is best achieved through a two-way conversation where the recipient starts out with curiosity and learning more and is also given the opportunity to share some of his or her side of the of the story and both parties walk away knowing more about how to work well together or how to relate to one another. All right, so we have some homework for you and here it is. The idea here is to build your feedback muscle, build your capacity and desire to receive feedback. Number one, figure out an area where you want to get some feedback. It could relate to your personal fitness goals. It could relate to work. It could relate to being a house guest. Uh, It could relate to anything. Number two, uh, identify one or more people who could give you feedback on this. So it doesn't just have to be one. It could be almost a type of survey. And then three, ask these individuals for feedback. You'd love to hear their thoughts about XYZ. A good trick to try is to ask paired questions like, what is one thing I'm doing well and what is one area where I'm improving? Or what is one way that I've achieved a lot and what is another way that I hold myself back? You're more likely to get good answers there. And then four, you can optionally include, I'm going to listen and take notes and try to understand. I'm not sure how I will react in the moment, but I'm doing this for my own growth. So my intention is to just hear what you have to say. And just try that. See how it goes. I want to thank my colleague from many years ago and now today, Hannah Hart, for for joining me. It's been great to be with you, Michael. Thank you. All right. Until next time, everybody. Have a great week. Bye.